Next Level University is a global top 100 podcast with over 1,000 episodes and an audience in over 125 countries. That's a really solid teaser without me even needing to make a clever joke or observation. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is the CFO, co-founder, and co-host of the Next Level University podcast. He and his co-hosts do an episode every single day to literally better the lives of those who listen. He's an incredibly nice guy with tons of information and insight, so I'm going to cut this intro short and you can listen for yourself. Let's capitalize on podcasting. Welcome to the show, Kevin Palmieri. Colton, thank you so very much for having me. I'm excited to chat and see where we end up during our conversation here. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the fans? Sure. So my name is Kevin Palmieri. I am the CFO, the co-founder, and the co-host of Next Level University. We are a global top 100 podcast with over a thousand episodes. We have listeners in 125 plus countries, and we do an episode every single day to help people level up their life, love, health, and wealth. That is basically what I do in a nutshell. Yeah, and that is admirable because I just made the switch to two a week, mm. and that was a enormous jump. And so it's, <laughs> when I looked at you guys' podcast up, I was like, a one a day? <laughs> but I think it's important to realize that, you know, we started with one a week like everybody else, and we went to two. And it's just the analogy of when you learn how to drive a car, you're hanging on, you're white knuckling, and eventually it gets to the point where you can drive a car and you can listen to a podcast, you can have a conversation, you can think about other things. So it it all starts at the same place for everybody. And I think we just we kept pushing. That's all it is. And we've been doing it for five years. So we have a little more, a little more understanding and practice. Well, and now you're here being used to utilized as an expert, right? I, I like that. It, it's all worked out perfectly if that's the case. Yeah. So five years ago, is about when you guys started? I started a podcast by myself in 2017, and then I ended up partnering up with my business partner, I think in 2018. But yeah, it's been five, almost five and a half years now. Wow. Awesome. You guys doing anything, anything big on your five-year celebration? No, no. We, we, uh, our celebrations have been like 100 episodes, 500 episodes, then a thousand episodes. And then I was like, the next one will be 2000 most likely. And we, uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in the business. So there isn't, there isn't really a lot of time for celebration. It's just like, I have a small moment of reflection. I usually look back and say, okay, we've come a long way. And then it's just, let's get back to the mission and, and get after it. Like we, like we plan to. So why did you start podcasting? I thought I had found success in my mid 20s. So I made $100,000 at 26. I didn't have a college degree. So I just, I grinded. I worked really, really hard in my job. I was a foreman at a weatherization company. So it was our job to make buildings more energy efficient. That's, that's what I did. And I ended up working my face off for an entire year with the ultimate goal of making as much money as humanly possible. And most of my work was on the road. So I spent 10 out of those 12 months living in hotels, um, working in different states, in different cities, working different shifts, staying up for days on end, driving 14, 16 hours, depending on where we were working. And I got to the end of the year, I opened up my final pay stub, I made $100,000. And I realized that although I thought this was going to be quote unquote success, I didn't feel any different. My bank account had more money in it, which is great. And that's circumstantial and, and that's certainty, which is nice. But I didn't feel any more successful. I didn't like who I was anymore. So I realized that for that year and for most of my life, Colton, I was living unconsciously. I was just kind of going through the motions. The opposite of unconscious was hyperconscious. And I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast, where I wanted to have deep conversations with deep human beings about fear, about love, about passion, about your dreams. That's really how it all started for me. I wanted to I wanted to help people dream more. And I wanted to help people become aware of 
what not only what was possible for them, but what was holding them back, their limiting beliefs, all of that. So yeah, it started as I found success. I realized that a lot of people that happens in their 40s, that happens in their 50s. For me, it happened when I was 26, which I'm grateful for. But I wanted to help people avoid that. That was the the ultimate goal in the very beginning. Yeah, and that's a super noble goal. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what was the original setup like? You know? Oh man. It was um I had I remember I went on YouTube and I went on Amazon and I said, All right, I just need a microphone. That was the very beginning. I just need a microphone and I need to figure out what is this hosting thing? Like, what does this all mean? So my podcast was on SoundCloud. I would literally just sit anywhere in my living room. I had one of those plastic side tables. I would set up my microphone and that was it. I was I was just off to the races. And then when I started interviewing people, I would literally just invite them over to my house and say, hey, this is my address. This is what time we're recording. Head on over. And I would have two plastic side tables, two microphones in a mixer, and everything just ran into my laptop. And there was there was no footage because I wasn't recording any video. But yeah, I was just I was just winging it. One of my first episodes he is my business partner now, but I had him as my first guest. And I don't think I was wearing a shirt. I was drinking a Guinness at 11 in the morning. Like <laughs> I wanted to be Joe Rogan at the very beginning. I think a lot of people start for that reason. And that's kind of where I got my inspiration from. And that's where I, my intentions were in the very beginning as well. Yeah. Where you're like, all right, we're going to go big. We're going to do what he does. We're going <laughs> to like grow this to a massive audience. No, no. I I really didn't see it going even where we are today that's not really something i expected i i might come off as somebody who's very confident and somebody who has a lot of belief in themselves but when i first started this journey i did not intend on being very successful with this i didn't know how to be my imagination that wasn't really part of it for me so in the beginning it was very much how do i have conversations with people and how do i get my next my next guest that was literally my thought process is how do I get somebody else to come on the show? How do I get somebody else to come on the show? It was never about listens. It was never about money. It really was about impact. It was how do I impact people with this? So as much as I'd love to say, yes, I saw all this and I planned for all this, a lot of the strategy started to happen when we got further into the business. And especially when I when I partnered up with my business partner, who is a very strategic visionary, he's definitely been a a godsend when it comes to us growing. Yeah. So this is a career kind of just sneak up on you? A little bit. Yeah. So that job that I had, I made that six figures. I made $100,000. And when I realized that this unique version of quote unquote success is not the one I want, I stopped caring about that job completely. It was like overnight, I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about the job. I didn't want to travel. I lost my necessity. My necessity wasn't there anymore. The reason to make money just didn't, it didn't move me enough. So I started calling out of work. I would leave the job site early and, you know, I would, I would show up late on certain days. And when I'm leaving the job site early, it's myself and usually a crew of two to five other people. And we're making anywhere from 60 to a hundred dollars an hour. So if I leave the job site four hours early, I'm losing $400. And that's just one day. And everybody on the team is also losing $400 because when I leave, everybody has to leave because I'm the foreman. So it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. This just, it's, it's easy to grind for something when you want the result, but I knew I didn't want the result. So what happened was I ended up sitting on the edge of a hotel bed. Uh, I was lacing up my work boots, getting ready for work one morning. And the best way to explain it, Colton, is there's 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one is on a different station. And one is saying, you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave this job, but too bad. If you do leave, what are your friends going to think? Like, you're just going to go be broke. That's not going to work. If you do leave, what is your family going to think? And if you do leave, what are you going to be a, a full-time podcaster? That's that's most likely not going to happen. And in that moment, I felt like if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And that was my my rock bottom. Something has to change here. I ended up texting my now business partner and I said, hey, I'm having all these weird thoughts. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I'm having these dark thoughts. I don't know what's going on. And he said, so much has changed for you over the last few years, but your environments are 
very much the same. And I think you should change your environment. So I ended up leaving that job. And two or three months later, I left that job and I started what we're doing today full time. But in the beginning, it was very much being very broke, living off of credit cards, um, not being able to pay bills at, at certain times. So in the beginning, it was very much like a startup where we were just a podcast trying to figure out how to make money. Luckily, later on, we really built a business. But in the beginning, it wasn't I mean, yeah, I was doing it full time, but there wasn't enough work to be doing it full time. It was, we'd record an episode, I'd go to the gym, I'd play Call of Duty for a couple hours, and then I would go to bed. That was kind of my life for a while. And looking back, I wondered why I wasn't successful. Now it makes sense. But yeah, it was my full time job, but it was uh, part time hours. We'll say that. Yeah. Did you feel like any more fulfilled doing that when you're like, you know what? I'd rather be struggling than, you know, doing what I'm doing. I had this very unique moment where I was living with my my best friend at the time. He was he was chasing his real estate dreams. I was chasing this podcast thing. And I remember he was gone one day and I was walking around the house and I was in the kitchen. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the least amount of money I've ever had. I am as single as humanly possible with no prospect of love at all. And it doesn't seem like I'm going to be successful anytime soon. But I remember having this feeling of for the first time ever, I actually liked who I was. So to your point, yeah, I the last five years have been the hardest five years of my life. Hands down, bar none, not close. But they've also been the most fulfilling. And I think that human beings, we believe we're supposed to optimize for happiness. If I get this, then I will be happy. I believe if we can optimize for fulfillment, and understand that if the journey is fulfilling, the results may never come and that's okay because that's not what you're doing it for. So yeah, I have gotten more fulfillment being broke and in alignment than I ever did being quote unquote wealthy and out of alignment. But I mean, that's awesome because you found like a purpose in this mm. where you were like, oh, I know what success is. It's the money. Mm. And then you found the money and you're like, okay, this didn't really fill any of my needs. Like what, what's actually going to fill up my cup? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I guess I don't like the money wasn't the thing that got me there. Yeah. Um, I think everybody has some sort of realization like that eventually. And this is always my, this is my best way to look at it. And this has helped me a ton. I think people start things with their P's in the wrong order. So people start things and say, this is profitable. Let me convince myself that I'm passionate about it. That's what I did with my job. I didn't really like my job. I liked the money. That's all I liked. I didn't like the job I was doing really. Where the podcast, I started this for passion. I started this for purpose. And then the thought process becomes, how do I make enough money? How do I make enough profit to be able to do this for the rest of my life? And those two different equations, it's a, it's a completely different life. So yeah, it's it's based on what do you love doing so much that you're going to find a way to do it forever versus what do you dislike doing that somebody can pay you enough money to do for forever? Those are really two different lives. Yeah. I heard somebody once say like, what is your hourly rate? Mm. Not what does your job pay you? But if I gave you, you know, a $20 item and said, return this, it's going to take you an hour to return and it'll make you $20. Is it worth your time? Mm. And he's like, I like encourage you to bring that number up. Like your money, your time should be worth more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge because your time is worth the effort that you've put into yourself in a, in a weird way, in a weird way. But I agree. I think a lot of us under, there was, I remember there were the gas prices around here. I live in New Hampshire and the gas prices everywhere in the United States have been extremely high, but there was like a line out of a gas station because it was like 50 cents cheaper a gallon. Now really think about this. 50 cents cheaper, say you're getting 12 gallons of gas, you're going to save $6, $6. And if you wait an hour in that line, you just traded one hour of your time for $6. So to your point, you really do have to get clear on that because what if you, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner and you made one call and you can make a thousand dollars from a client, you just cost yourself a lot of money. So yeah, it it all depends on the person, their circumstances and their competency. But I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. So then trying to turn this podcast into your full-time job, trying to make mm. it profitable. What was the 
the growth rate like from days, you know, one up through a year up to where you are now? <laughs> I would say from from the beginning to probably a year and a half to two years, the growth rate was zero in terms of finances. Um, and then after that, I remember I had a conversation with Alan and I said, okay, what are we going to do here to make this a business? Like we have to start making money. We're both entrepreneurs. We've both been burning through our savings, trying to get this off the ground. What do we do? And he said, we should start coaching. I mean, we're a self-improvement company. We know self-improvement. Let's help people improve their lives. And I said, okay, cool. What does that look like? So we started coaching for free. We reached out to people in the community and I would say, Hey, I'm looking to start coaching. It's totally free. It'll be every single week. We'll jump on the phone for an hour. My goal is to help you. Are you in? And I had several people say yes, started coaching them every week. And after a couple months, I just said, Hey, I can't do this anymore for free because I have however many clients, which is great. What do you think of $50 a week? Is that fair? And almost everybody across the board said, yeah, absolutely. That's fair. So it went from us making $0 in the business, I think to making, I don't know, I think it was like zero. And then I think it was, I think it was like $5,200 the first year we actually started making money. Then I think it was $42,000. Then it went like one fifty, and then we're on pace to do like 350 this year. So it's basically at least doubled every year. Um, but in the beginning, it was it was brutal. And there was zero money for several years. And then, then it starts to compound. So yeah, I would say the growth rate right now is we're basically doubling every year in terms of finances. Awesome. And does that look like, you know, employee expansion as well? Are there people working under you? So we have right now, we have a 17 person team. Wow. Um, and the way it's set up, there's a lot of different ways it's set up. Some people are hourly, some people are about to be salaried, but a lot of it is people are on the team and they're they're donating their time with us to be part of the mission, but they're getting coaching in exchange for that. So what we've done is said, look, you are a valued member of this community and maybe you can't afford coaching. Right, maybe you can't afford one hundred and fifty dollars an hour for coaching, and are you willing to to give us X amount of hours per week or per month? And you can be on the team. You'll have access to everything that we're doing. You can text me. You're on the team. Like you are a member of the team, and that's been really helpful because we try to bring people into the team from the community. Many of the people that work with us every single day were those clients at the beginning who I coached for free. So it's very much come full circle. And I think the important thing is we're trying to build a culture of self-improvement. We're trying to build a culture of no ego, just let's be real heart-driven human beings who support one another, who give people the hard feedback. But at the end of the day, our goal is to help each other in our own lives. We're very big on yeah, I, I want you to help us with a mission, of course, but I want to make sure that we're pouring more into your life. I want your relationship to get better. I want your finances to get better. I want your health to get better. I want to help you level up your life outside of this company because you have a life and your life takes place way more outside of this company than it does in it. So it's our responsibility to make sure we're helping you there as, as well. Yeah, you're kind of like, look, of course, as a company, we want to grow, but mm -hmm. we don't want you to sacrifice exclusively for that. It's not sustainable. That's yeah. that's not sustainable. Our our leadership model really is, I mean, anybody on the team can look at my calendar and see exactly what I'm doing. They see all the habits I'm tracking and whether or not it's getting done. So it's very much, we try to lead as much by by example as humanly possible, where I will never ask somebody to do something I won't do or I haven't done. And I always try to look through the lens of how can I support this person, even if they're supposed to be supporting me. I think that's the ultimate goal is sometimes you get a bad day and it's it's extra hard. And I want to be there for the the people that make all this possible. So yeah, we're trying to do something different when it comes to the culture and the team and just trying to lead by example. I think that's the the best thing you can do in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you found that like the podcasting community has been pretty accepting or has it been like kind of a, a real uphill struggle to like find footing in this? 
it's different now. It's a lot different than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it, I think it was easier in the beginning because there was less podcasts. So when you would have a guest on, you create something and your guests would share it because they hadn't been on 15 podcasts that week. So things were a little bit different. Um, what I will say though is in the beginning, I think it was probably a little bit easier to get listens, but now it's a lot easier for us to get clients because we're quote unquote well-known and we're a big enough show. Um, we didn't really have any super big moments of virality. It was never one post and we went, it wasn't that it was 1% every day, just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. So I would say compared to most of the shows I've worked with and most of the shows I've seen, our growth was probably average or slightly above average. We definitely didn't get lucky and we didn't blow it out of the water. For us, it's just about extreme consistency. So I think it's been a challenge because holistic self-improvement isn't sexy. We don't talk about sexy things necessarily. It's it's the fundamentals and it's stories and it's lessons. Uh, but the community we do have, they're very, very, very dedicated. Our community is amazing. They're they're so awesome because they're looking for some place that doesn't have a lot of ego, but is focused on success. And that's what we're trying to, to deliver. So even just the genre in general is tough to win at. Uh, that's why it's been slow going, quote unquote. Sure. But it sounds like you, know, you stick to that grind and you guys, like you said, you, know, you climb the mountain one step at a time, but you know, you're making it. Mm. When you're making money, it's easier to sustain. That's the thing now is in the beginning, I was very much worried about listens, 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 listens. And I still am. I track our listens every day. We have the growth rate and all that. But now it's, it's with the understanding that, well, as long as we're making sustainable money, where we can afford our lifestyles and we can continue to grow the business, I know the listens will continue to come because we're just going to be, we're just going to keep doing episodes forever. So it's that weird, that weird phase of in the beginning, it's all about listens. You got to make sure you're getting as many listens as possible, building relationships. Then it becomes, well, now it's time to make money to pour back into the business. That'll bring you listens later. And it's always that give and take back and forth. Yeah. And I think that's something that I mean, most people listening to this probably do not have a podcast. You know, mm. I think I saw a statistic that like there are 0.1% of podcasts compared to blogs. Mm. Like, you know, we're we're not as many as we think, but probably more than people expect. Mm. Um, but it's so hard to find statistics. Like when I was trying to figure out like, how am I doing? Am I doing all right? Is this good? Um, looking for statistics online are almost impossible to find. Yeah. Like it's no still idea. new. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's still new. I think the problem too is number one, just the time. It hasn't been that long, all things considered. But to your point, a lot of people start podcasts, but it's very hard to get data because most people don't continue. So even to your point, I it's estimated that there's been 3 million podcasts created. And I believe the statistic is out of those 3 million podcasts, 75% are no longer in production. So imagine that. Imagine if, you know, 75% of people who entered a room only stayed there for a minute and left. Like that room would get empty pretty quick. So I think it's very hard to track that because there's people in and there's people out. So yeah, the stats just aren't there yet. They're getting better as we go, but it's definitely, my quote is always this to my clients. The podcast industry is still very much the wild west. There's a lot of ways to lie about what you're doing. There's a lot of ways to, to make it look you know, better than it is. You can pay for listens. You can pay for reviews. It's a, it's a weird time in the podcast industry. Sure. Yeah. And it's one of those that like, you know, I came from before this, the only experience I had putting out any kind of media, like I did a small YouTube channel, mm. but you can look at other YouTube channels and see exactly how yeah. many views they have, exactly how fast you can see their subscribers. And this, you're like, the best estimation I can get is to look at listen notes and be like, how are they, how are they rated? Yeah. Well, that's dangerous too. I said that to somebody the other day. They said, well, my show is doing really well. It's in the top 1%. And I said, I, I, I mean this with love. Every single person I have ever talked to that gave me their listen note score was at least in the top 5%. And I said, that's not statistically possible. It doesn't work that way. So take it with a grain of salt because I don't know what the algorithm is. I don't believe it very much. So yeah, it's, you have to look at your progress compared to where you are. I really, or where you were, I really think that's the only way to truly measure it. And I'll tell you this, 
and I know not maybe not a lot of listeners are, are podcasters, but this is across the board with social media, anything. I know people who they will post this episode had 150,000 downloads. And I know they didn't. I can tell because my awareness is high enough. If you're getting 150,000 downloads an episode, you probably are going to have more than 36 reviews. Just the way it works. That's just the way the numbers work. So some people will use other people's lack of awareness to build their credibility, but that's something that's been happening forever anyway. It's just, it's a new industry. So it's going to happen more in the beginning. And I think that's another thing that, you know, everything has surprised me so far. Like I've been caught off guard at every single step. Um, and one of those is like audience engagement. Mm. Like I thought there would be a lot more yeah. than I think there is. Is that pretty common? Do you think it's something, something switched? Uh, I'm like, yeah, in the beginning it was, I mean, we were getting shares every day from different people and that would help us figure out, oh, this, you know, Colton's listening to the podcast. I didn't know Colton was listening. Okay. Let me reach out and start a conversation and, and add value to this person's life. It's definitely changed a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's because people are busier, if people are used to podcasts now, people use their stories different. It's definitely changed. I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's not the engagement you get is definitely down. And that's why it's so important to understand that if you treat each person like one person and then you add more value to them, then they'll tell other people. That I think that's really what it is now is you probably just have to add more value than you used to because there's more opportunity for other shows to um, be shown to people. So that's, yeah, it's probably that. It's maybe the value just isn't enough. They There's a certain amount of touches somebody needs before they're willing to share probably. Sure, sure. It makes sense. It's one of those where I was like, okay, I know I have this many subscribers. If 1% of them were doing something like... I would see this amount of things. And yeah. then I look at, you know, like the comments bar. And I'm like, well, it's not 1%. Yeah. That's pretty strange. I, I think it's it's just a numbers game. We, we had a, I had a client one time who she, she had like 160,000 followers on Instagram. And she put together this thing online. And I think it was like $70 or something. And I think she had 400 people show up. So, and when I say that, it's like, well, 400 people times $70, that's $28,000. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good for an hour of your time. But what is the percentage? 400 from 150,000. It's not, it's not a great percentage, right? So I think it's just that numbers game of if you have a thousand people listening and one person shares a week, I mean, that's probably pretty good, all things considered. So yeah, I think, I just think the numbers have changed. The ratio from listen to next step to next step to next step to next step probably has just gone down yeah do you think it's just because the like the accessibility of podcasting and people knowing about it is going up and so it's just like ballooning out i think so yeah and i think people use their stories in a different way now that's the other thing is i don't know it's i think people are more cautious about what they share on their stories it depends on the show too, right? Like I'm sure Barstool probably gets, and Joe Rogan, they probably still get a ton of shares, but they're more decisiveness between that and something else. Like you, if you identify as I'm the type of person who listens to Joe Rogan, you're more likely going to share that because that's, that's what you, that's what you live for. That's the type of person you are. If you're a college kid who loves Barstool, you're, you're talking to a bunch of other college kids who probably like Barstool. So when you share it, it's going to resonate with your audience. I think it depends. For us, we have a self-improvement podcast. And not everybody wants to know or not everybody wants their audience to know that they're into self-improvement. So they're not necessarily going to share our stuff all the time where it's talking about, you know, should you, uh, should you look at your friends and ask yourself why they're in your life? Like, that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing to share. So I think it's that too. I think people are unless it's like politics where people are like super, I'll share anything about what I believe in. I think that's part of it is people aren't willing to necessarily self-identify as I'm the type of person who does blank. That's what I would say. I think it's just, it's human behavior. I think, I think that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of switching it up, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a while. You're seeing a lot of success, which I think is awesome. Thank you. Have there been like any big moments where you were like, this is, 
such a major win. I didn't know if we'd ever get to this point. <laughs> My business partner and I joke about this all the time. I always say this, the journey of success is going to be way better for me because I didn't see any of it coming. And he has kind of predicted all this. One of them, um, one of them, we interviewed the producer of the biggest loser and we went to his house and we interviewed him in his movie theater in his California mansion. And then he proceeded to cook us. He has like a Benihana style grill outside of his house. And he proceeded to cook us chicken and rice. Uh, I think it was like pork fried rice on this Benihana style grill. And we ate dinner underneath the stars out by his pool. And that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, what else? Yeah. Going for me, it's, it's been like going to California and interviewing a bunch of successful people. That's that was awesome. I lived in Florida for a month with uh, my business partner and one of our mentors at the time. That was pretty cool. I never expected that. Uh, Alan and I were on David Meltzer's podcast like 20 times. David Meltzer has one of the top business podcasts in the world. I never saw that coming. I didn't expect that. We got this, we used to have this really nice custom podcast studio, which was such a dream come true when I got to design that. And I never expected that either. So there's been a lot of moments where I had to like pinch myself and say, wow, I cannot believe this is actually happening. The first one that ever happened, Colton, I remember there was this, this radio station around where we lived. It was based in Boston. And I grew up an hour outside of Boston. And I would listen to this radio station every single day. It was called WAAF. And we reached out to one of the people that was on the morning show. Her name is Danielle Murr. And we ended up going to her house and interviewing her. She like invited two men she had never met over to her house to interview her. And we interviewed her. It was awesome. She became a friend. She ended up becoming a client later. And I remember when we left her house, we stopped at the beach on the way home. And I literally just cried. So I was like, I cannot believe this person who I used to listen to every single day and was a celebrity to me. I literally just left her house. And now, you know, now we're friends and I can text her, which is just weird. It's, it's wild. So almost everything has been a surprise to me, which I'm grateful for. It, it keeps things fresh and it definitely, it helps reinforce the progress that we've made as a business and a podcast and myself as a human as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you guys do like any kind of events or travel or anything like that? Like to, you know, go be on other panels or to speak at events? We've really transitioned into mostly virtual. So we, we are in the New England area. We went to Florida for an event a few years ago. Um, but then it was during COVID, we realized that travel is just a giant pain in the butt. And you're losing so much productivity. I mean, yeah, you can work on a plane and you can work in the airport, but it's not the same. It's not the same. So our thought is kind of, we have really nice studios, right? We have good cameras. We have good equipment. We're set up to be as virtual as humanly possible. If somebody wants to say, look, we want you in person, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. The number just has to be right for us to pack up and lose all the, the productivity. For us, momentum is way more important than anything else. I it's if I'm going to make $15,000 today, but I'm going to lose $20,000 over the course of the month, it's not worth it. It doesn't make any sense. So for us, it's going to be mostly, mostly virtual. We will be doing an event, a live event every single year, as well as a, a retreat every single year. That's kind of our thing, but that's more for the community, right? We want to get the community together and get people out of their comfort zones, get them into that experience. So for us, most of it will be virtual. We'll probably do two to four in-person face-to-face events a year. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I think it's one of those that like I've gotten to know as I've done this and a little bit before I got started, like I started mm -hmm. to get to know podcasters from all kinds of levels where they were like, oh, we're just getting started to this is our full-time gig. And some of them are traveling nonstop. Like they take their show on the road essentially. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we record, you know, three episodes a week and we do one live one a week. Mm. And then some people I talk to who it's their full-time job too. And they're like, I don't do events at all. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just depends. like a weird spread. And I don't know, like, I guess it's person to person. Yeah. It's, it depends on, I mean, it depends on a lot of things, but 
as long as it's sustainable, I think if what you're doing is sustainable, that's what matters. We, when we went to California, we brought all of our equipment. I, we brought multiple microphones, mixers, cameras. Like we had to check an entire bag that had all of our equipment in it. And then it was just like, can't we just do this virtual? Like, is the return on the investment of the money and the time actually worth a little bit better content? Probably not in the grand scheme of things. So for us, it didn't make sense. And there's two of us. So everything is twice as expensive. That's the other thing too. Two tickets, you know, it, depending on if we're staying in the same room, maybe two rooms, all that happy jazz as well. So yeah, the, the cost is definitely not necessarily there for us. Sure. Absolutely. And since, you know, you just brought up equipment, what kind of equipment do you recommend if people are like, hey, Kevin, how do I get into podcasting? What do mm -hmm. I need to buy? Do you have like, this is the set list? Yeah, I keep it as simple as humanly possible. In the very beginning, all I suggest you get, if you have a laptop that has a webcam, cool, start there. Perfect. You don't need to get an external camera. I wouldn't in the beginning because it's just a whole thing. I literally always suggest a, it's called an Audio-Technica ATR 2100. I literally have two of them here because I, one of them just fell on the floor because I always show these on the podcast I go on. It's like a $70 mic and plug it directly into your laptop. You get yourself a microphone arm and then a little pop filter, just a little foam filter that goes on top. You're off to the races. That is always my suggestion because you got to understand most people who start podcasts don't understand tech. They don't understand audio editing and they don't understand video editing and they shouldn't have to necessarily. So it's very much get your camera on your laptop working, get a 75, 80, $90 microphone, get a $15 mic arm and a $4 uh, pop filter or you know, windscreen, get on Zoom, you got yourself a, a podcast. For me, it's the lowest barrier to entry to get started because if you work it up in your mind is this challenging thing, you're, you're never going to start and you'll never realize that once you get going, showing up is the the easy part. Everything else is kind of the the pain in the butt behind the scenes. Yeah, that is very much where I got started is like I had been talking to somebody and I, was, I think it was my mother actually. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I really wanted to get into this. I was thinking about it and she bought me a mic. Mm. And she was like, oh, hey, I just was talking to people and they said this was a good mic to start podcasting. And it's like now the notorious Blue Yeti mm -hmm. where everyone's like, oh, God, that's everyone's first mic. Please yep. don't do it. Yep. Um. So it like it sits back off the side here to me, too, where it's like, yep, I had this thing. Yep. That's what I was running. Um. It's funny when you said Audio Technica, because that's what I that's what I run now. But it was a big transition because like the Yeti is a USB mic. Yep. I knew how to plug it in and I could use audacity because it's free. Yep. And then I transitioned to this thing and they're like, oh, it takes an XLR input. Yep. It has to have special power base. It needs an input, like a whole control panel. Yep. I was like, oh no, what, do I, what am I getting into? That's a lot. It's a lot. I, I had a client who, when they started with me, they're like, I want my setup to be the same as yours. And I was like, I don't know if you do. Not that I can't set you up. But if you ever have any trouble, you're not going to know what there's, there's cables and there's levels and the mixer has levels and it's phantom powered and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, to your point, I started with an XLR. So I knew from the very beginning, I understood how mixers worked. I learned how to audio edit and video edit at a pretty high level. We still use Audacity. So to this day, a thousand episodes in, we record all of our audio, our audio and video in StreamYard. So very similar to Zoom. And then we record all of our audio natively to Audacity. And then in the in the post-production, our team syncs that up. So our audio quality is as good as humanly possible. Our video quality is as good as humanly possible. And that's how we've done it. But that all came from me understanding, you know, I did this for 400 episodes or 500 episodes. So I had a pretty, a pretty decent understanding of all that. But it's just one of those things of start where you can. It doesn't, it's not going to be perfect in the beginning. It's not going to be perfect in the beginning, and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Do you have any, like, once people get set up, what is your first one where you're like, if you were going to upgrade anything, anything at all, what's, like, the first upgrade? Hmm. I would say that microphone's fine. I mean, you can use that microphone for as long as you want. It depends. It ultimately depends on what your business model is. But I said this to somebody the other day. I said, you need to get an editor. That's where most people get stuck is it's like, it takes me three hours to, to edit my podcast. 
going back to what we said earlier, I said, how much is your time worth? Tell me, is it $20 an hour? Because if so, you're wasting $20, $40, $60 every time you do one of your episodes. What if you could pay somebody $15 to do that? Is that worth it? So honestly, it wouldn't even necessarily be equipment. It would be buying yourself back some of your time so you can do other revenue generating activities so you can actually make it a sustainable business. That's that's what I would say. Because it really is building a business. That's why a lot of people get stuck is it's like, oh, I'm not going to pay for anything. Like I'm only going to pay for the $12 a month hosting. It's like, okay, that's cool. I understand that. And maybe you shouldn't pay depending on where you are. But at some point, you have to find a way to get more hours in the day than you have. And then find a way to monetize some of those hours so you can pour back into the business and then rinse and repeat. So that would probably be the wild card answer is probably either a VA or somebody to help you edit your audio and your video and up level your production value. No, I think that's a really good argument. You probably have me sold on it um, <laughs> because like I, I still obviously I do all my own editing. I'm a little show, but I'm starting to get to a point where like I'm seeing you know, big growth spikes. And I'm like, man, the one thing that really drags me down is this editing. Yeah. Like it, it takes so long and it's so t like, it's so just consuming. Yeah. that I'm like, man, that would be the first thing I'd take care of. And when you're like, you could pay somebody to just, you know, gig work that. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. We, we found originally it was like, I was going on Fiverr and I was trying to find people and it was like, you know, $9 an hour here, $12 an hour, $15 an hour. And then we ended up just building a team. It was like, look, I mean, we're, we have seven episodes a week, so we're not going to be able to just have somebody who does it on gig. It's going to have to be somebody who's every single day who understands this is when it has to get launched and all that. But in the beginning, yeah, it's one of those things where you can find somebody for you know, $10 an hour, $15 an hour. And then this is the other thing. If you, the collective you, anybody listening, if and this goes for anything, not just podcasting, if you have a valuable skill that you can help somebody else with, you can barter. Hey, if you edit my podcast episodes, I'll coach you for free for X amount of times per month. Like that's how it can get started in the beginning. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, like you said, you were buying your time back. Mm. So what is your time worth and what yeah. could you be better using it for that actually, you know, grows whatever you're doing or or pushes you towards your dream? Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, any other like pain points that you ran into where it was just like, man, if only I had known this thing was going to be like a, such a major roadblock, I'd have prepared for it. Hmm. No, not necessarily. Um, I would say other people's lack of awareness around technology was an interesting, an interesting piece where as a podcaster, I just assume everybody's going to have a mic, headphones and a, and a decent camera. I just, in my mind, I'm just surrounded by podcasters. So when you log on with somebody who's like a world-class speaker and they log on with headphones and their cell phone, it's like, oh, okay, this, I forgot about this completely. So that was definitely a blind spot for us. And we had to create a pre-flight checklist where we would send it off to the guests and say, please ensure you have a, a powerful Wi-Fi signal. Please ensure you have headphones, a quiet room, a microphone, lighting, because everything is audio and video. So I would say it was, it was that. The wild card for us usually was with other people because when it's with us, we can discuss it and we can fix it pretty quickly and we have pretty high standards, all things considered. That was the biggest wild card for us that we ran into is when we're having guests, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, anything could happen. I could go off the rails here, Colton, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it or you wouldn't necessarily know it was going to happen. Maybe you did expect it. But yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest wild card for us. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of those where well, people just like skew 180 degrees and I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, of course. What am I doing right now? Right? It's very humbling. It's like, how do I stop this train? <laughs> yeah. I, I had uh, I had one of those that uh, no one knows about because I did not put the episode mm -hmm. out, but it started that way. Like we got through the let's introduce ourselves and then it just went off the rails immediately. And yep. I like finished the interview. I was like, I cannot use yep. any of that. We've had, I think we've probably had three or four of those. We had a guest one time and we said, our our demographic, the people who listen to this show are women and humans who identify as women. And I said, just so just understand that. Like when you're telling your story, just try to make sure you're being respectful to that. And this person was like, absolutely, cool. And it was brutal. Like just some of the words this person was saying and the way he, it was just, 
Yeah. And we got to the end of the episode and we said, cool, hit delete, gone. Never talk to that person again. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to happen. You're going to have those outliers, but it does make for a good story. That That is fun. Yeah. That I mean, that's really something, especially to like, hey, here's our demographic. Yeah. Yep. Be sure you're like, you know, honoring that demographic. Yeah. And then they're just like, be I'm respectful. The right. Just be respectful. I'm not asking for much. I'm not telling you what to say. And then it, it was just like, yeah, it was, it was truly, it was truly mind blowing. Yeah. Wow. And speaking to your demographic and you said you get plays in over 125 countries, like mm. that's a lot. Is that, it is, is that like your makeup is pretty evenly divided? Is it pretty high in a couple of countries and then like starts to taper off? Uh, it really depends. We, and I don't know why, I don't know what this speaks to, but the U S we have a lot of listeners in Canada. We have a very big community in Canada. Um, England, United Kingdom over there, Europe, definitely. And then we have like a, a pretty large listener base in Ghana. I don't know where that, where, like for what reason, I don't know why that happened, but we're usually like when we're, so we were in the top charts in the U S many times, but we're consistently in the top charts when it comes to self-improvement in Ghana. Don't know why Nigeria too. I'm not, not really sure why, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I would say it's probably like 75%. Um, yeah, 75% North America between the United States and Canada. And then everywhere else is spread out, but it's, it's mostly here. Yeah. I think that's one of the ones that surprised me because I, I host through Podbean. Mm-hmm. Um, most people know that because I've been featured a couple times, so I have ad reads for them. But uh, in doing that, I think Podbean is more popular outside of the U.S. Mm. So my U.S. audience has something like 40% of my audience. Interesting. And then it starts like it gets into this other wild range where I'm like, oh, what are my top five countries? And it's like Iraq. And I'm like, really? Interesting. Like, I would not have guessed that. And mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, you've got 3% of your audience is Japanese. I'm like, for an English-speaking podcast? Interesting. Like, yeah, they speak English. It's fine. Mm. Like, okay. Well, that's why the stats are so important. you got to look at the numbers because you, you just never know. You just never know. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> I wanted to ask a question just to see like how you felt about the current state of podcasting. Sure. Um, do you think there are too many or too few of any specific podcast genre, like any type of show that you're like, Oh God, I see another one of these. <laughs> no, no. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, I mean, there's, and I don't, I haven't checked in a couple months, so it's probably different. But last time I looked, there's 3 million podcasts. There's 33 million YouTube channels. So for every podcast, there's 11 YouTube channels and there's a lot of stuff out there. So no, I think as long as as long as it's your goal to find your people, you'll you'll find the right shows. Yeah. All things considered, there's not not that many. So okay. no. I think it's I think the current state of the podcast industry is it's a very cool place right now because in a way it really is how I guess it's multiple things. How big is your name? Right. I mean, if Kim Kardashian started a podcast tomorrow, it would be the number one podcast. It's that's just the way it works. She's got a big name, a lot of reach versus how well can you build and cater to a community? There is one thing that Kim Kardashian can't do that smaller shows can do Re- reach out to everybody who listens to her to, to their show. So that's the interesting thing is when you're playing against people who have just massive reach and massive platforms, you can do things that they can't do which I think in the long run will really benefit you. So I think we're in a very good spot where, yeah, there's a lot of shows that are just way too big and you can't compete with. But if you're small and you have a a strong community, nobody can really take that away from you if you do it right. Yeah. Are there any that you're like, man, I wish somebody would really like get deep into this topic or this like Mm -hmm. genre? That is a wonderful question. I don't, so this is the thing, and I'll be honest, I don't really listen to podcasts. I know that might sound weird as a podcaster, but I would say it would probably be mixed martial arts. I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan, so it would probably be more of those, but the ones that are out there are really high quality because they're based on people who are professionals. So no, I'd probably say no, but I'm not your average podcast consumer, right? The one that I listen to is ours because I'm trying. I'm listening for mastery and to become a better speaker and storyteller. So I don't really listen to other shows that much. I think that's pretty normal 
most podcasters I've talked to are like, yeah, I don't really have the time to listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like before I started podcasting, I was listening to like 10 hours a day of podcasts mm. and I am down to maybe like two, mm. two hours. What's your, day. what's your go-to? Um, I have a couple cause I have like two of my very good friends run the Iconoblast podcast, which mm. is like, you know, the real side of history. So they get to like rip on people that obviously were like, yeah, you think this person's great? Let's talk about it. Mm. Um, so I love listening to their show. Like I've been on, I've been on that one, which was a wild ride for me. Cause I was like, oh, I was a fan. And then I started mm. talking to him and then like, I'm sitting on the show set. I'm like, am I on camera right now? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're on camera right now. That's okay. awesome. Here we go. So yeah, a couple things like that. Mm. Where I'm just like, either I know them or it's been something I've listened to forever. And yeah. it's like, oh yeah, they put out an episode a week. So I'm going to listen to this one. Mm. Stuff like that. Anyway, um, I know I've you know I've kept you here for about an hour, and your time is extremely valuable, <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on my show because I am certainly not at your popularity level. Um, though maybe I'll be there one day. You will. You you keep you keep doing your thing, being you, and and if you never stop, there's no reason you can't be. That's I always say that I can't guarantee you ever will be, but I can guarantee if you stop today, it most likely won't happen. It it really is consistency. If you can show up consistently for a long enough period of time, you'll get way further than you are today. I just I just don't know where that will be ultimately. Yeah, none of us can predict it, but Mm-mm. like I said, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I always said as long as I have, you know, 10 people that listen regularly, like I'll talk for 10 people. <laughs> that's fine. Like yeah. that's 10 people that are listening to me. So um, I got way more than that, luckily, which is good because that yeah. keeps me extra motivated. <laughs> um, but I wanted to give you some time to like, you know, plug where people can find you and listen to your show. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, our show's Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms. All of our episodes are up on YouTube as well. And if you ever you want to talk about podcasting, you have questions, anything, just DM me. My handle is at neverquitkid on Instagram. I do my own social media. I do my own DMs. And at the end of the day, my goal is to add value. So if you have a question, I'll send you an answer. I'm not going to say, hey, you got to pay me for me to just send me a message if you need any help. I'm, I'm happy to to answer. Well, Kevin, I've appreciated this immensely. Like thank you're you. an awesome guest. This thank has been you, a super cool time talking to you. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it very much, Colton. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Take just the briefest of moments. I promise you it's less than a minute to give this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, and or Audible. It helps the show grow in ways you can't imagine. And... It really means the world to me. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. To reach out to me, email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Or send a message to any of the show pages, like on Facebook, or Instagram, or Twitter, or anything else you use that we're probably on. That's all for this week. Enjoy your long weekend, and I will see you all Monday for the next episode where the guest is just about 300,000 times smarter than me. Bye-bye!